You're listening to the St. John's Diamond Creek podcast, recorded live each Sunday at St. John's Anglican Church, Diamond Creek. This episode presented by Youth and Young Adults Minister, Kirk McKenzie. Bible reading is from 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 13 to 25. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, let your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For this is written, Be holy, because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it is not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you are redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living, enduring word of God. For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. So our teaching series at the moment is on the book of 1 Peter, a 2,000-year-old letter written by one of Jesus' closest friends. And Peter's the guy who Jesus put in charge after Jesus left. Uh, So very significant person in history and he wrote this letter to Christians Um, and we've we've looked at it for the last two weeks and Peter sort of presents the Christian life, presents living in relationship with Jesus, which is what it means to be a Christian, as kind of a journey that you go on and it starts with you starting that relationship with Jesus that's the beginning of the journey for some of you maybe that started at birth because your family are Christian but for a lot of people that starts at a later time in life often actually when you're a youth and young adult but that's not a rule that's just sort of a statistic thing and then uh, you head in that you head in this direction and, and the end of the journey is when you get to see Jesus face to face which uh, it, it happens if you die and you go, go to be with him and you sit, meet him in heaven, or if Jesus comes back before we die, uh, which is a possibility. So this is the journey that we go on. And so we've got this prop here which sort of helping us understand the directions that we need to follow uh, while we're on that journey, if we're going to do that journey as well as possible. So Megan last week talked about waiting, that God directs us to wait at times. As part of the journey, and today we're going to be focusing on this idea of be holy. The idea of holiness popped up a couple of times in the passage. We'll talk about what that means, but that's the direction to followers of Jesus on this journey: is to be holy. And then we bring with us stuff that we need for the journey, right? Sort of, you know, what do you you pack uh, on the journey? And so today 
uh, the thing that we bring with us is obedience, and that's going to help us follow the direction to be holy. So that's what we're going to be looking at today as we reflect on the passage. Now, the passage is pretty dense, and actually you'll find as we go through this series, a lot of the passages in 1 Peter, there's a lot going on. And so there's probably a bunch of topics that I'm not going to cover that you could talk about because of the verses in here. Uh, and in fact, I've cut a couple of sections because the talk was going to go for like an hour if I didn't. Um, but So just, just being aware of that, but we're going to focus particularly on be holy and how obedience can help us to do that. So have a look at the first verse. I just want to think about that for a minute. It says, Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. This is an interesting idea of having an alert mind, a sober mind. You know, if you're visiting with us here today, perhaps you're not a Christian, you're checking things out, I wouldn't blame you, or certainly there's a common idea that being a Christian means you need to leave your thinking, leave your mind out of it. <laughs> you know, when you park your car in a car park, you might as well park your brain there too, because when you come into church, we're not going to do any proper thinking. You know, it's sort of going to be a feeling thing, a bit of a religious vibe, and then we go out and we can start thinking again when we leave. And this is a fairly common idea that I've picked up that Aussies have, um, and sometimes for good reason, uh, in the sense that... The media often depicts Christians as being pretty sort of dumb people who don't really think about things deeply. Uh, and occasionally, let's be honest, Christians just behave that way. <laughs> like, you know, we do behave in an unthinking way from time to time. But what we have here is the Bible, the basis of Christianity. This is what Christianity is built on. Uh, this is the whole thing's based on the Bible. And here in the Bible, written by the guy who Jesus put in charge of the church is someone saying thinking is required when you go on this journey with Jesus and in fact you need to have a clear mind to be able to think properly when it talks about being sober it talks about basically protecting your mind from things that will stop you from thinking properly uh, so hence there's um, this idea of we shouldn't be getting drunk and high because that affects the way we think um, and I'd even extend that to other stuff like, uh, you know, like addictive behaviour can really sort of affect your ability to think properly. And I don't mean just being addicted to substances, although that's the case, but being addicted to your phone or being addicted to gambling, just addicted to various things, it can affect the way you think. Likewise, you probably want to get plenty of rest because if you're not sleeping well, if you're not getting enough rest in life, then you can't think clearly. You won't have a sober alert mind. So if you're a workaholic, you need to be thinking about that and, and working on making sure you have enough rest. So this is this idea of we need to be thinking as we go through things and have a clear mind. And that as we go on this journey, one of the hopes that we have is that we receive grace. Uh, grace is an undeserved gift, loving gift. So when God... When we talk about grace in the Bible, it's usually talking about that God loves us even when we don't deserve to be loved. That God chooses to love people even though we haven't earned that love at all. And I just want to take a little time out here because this is very important. And I actually had a sense while we were worshipping just before that there's maybe a couple people here today who haven't really grasped grace 
you've probably been around church for a while, but you haven't, this hasn't stuck with you. And actually, you're choosing to not start that journey with Jesus or not to take the next step with your journey with Jesus because you're waiting for yourself to become worthy enough to be loved by God. And so the message for you is to stop waiting until you're worthy because it's never going to happen. If you're sitting here looking around thinking, geez, a bunch of Christians here, they're all worthy of God's love. No, they're not. All the people in the room suck. We stuff up. We get things wrong. We are not perfect. We, nobody is worthy of being loved by God. It is because of God's great love and his grace that anyone can start to have a relationship with Jesus. And so if you're in that category, stop waiting till you're worthy, jump in. Communion later in the service is going to be a great opportunity for you to physically act that out. So I encourage you to do that tonight. As a little time out, not in my notes, but I felt it was an important thing to say. So, whatever the case, make sure you remember grace. As we go on and we talk about being holy, don't forget grace. If there's one thing you remember tonight, it's that bit there, just on the screen. That doesn't, that's not permission to tune out, but, you know, <laughs> uh, that's a very important thing to remember. So then in verse 16, Peter quotes the Old Testament, several places in the Old Testament, in fact, and he quotes the words of God himself when God says, Be holy because I am holy. So this is an instruction from God to people. People, you need to be holy because I am holy. Now, what does that mean? You know, holiness is this word that is not commonly used outside of church. The main way you would hear it used, I think, is when somebody is described as holier than thou. Has anyone heard that phrase? A few people. If someone's described as holier than thou, it usually means they're a snob who thinks they're better than everybody else. Not really much to do with the holiness in the Bible, but that's sort of where you may have heard it used. This is my cobbled together definition of several other definitions of holiness, so hopefully it's helpful. Holiness means that you are separated from sin and devoted to seeking the honour of God. So you're separated from sin, you're set apart. Sin is the world's biggest problem. All the things that we do that are evil, the things that are selfish, the things that are disobedient to God, the things that hurt other people, that is sin. And so someone, for someone to be holy, they need to be set apart from that. They need to be not entangled in sin and sort of caught up and addicted to sin. We need to be set apart. And then you've got to be devoted to the honour of God. Now that means if God's holy, he's devoted to the honour of himself. If a person is, is devoted to seeking their own honour, that's kind of an arrogant thing because you're just a person like anyone else. But it's okay for God to do it. God can't... Can you really be arrogant if he created everything ever? Like, really, you are the best. And so it's not, it's not arrogance in that sense. But we're not to seek our own honour. We're to seek the honour of God. Set apart from sin, seeking the honour of God. That's what holiness is. And Peter quotes this and says, this is what we need to aim for. Now again, let's come back to grace. This is really important that we try and live a life of holiness and go on a journey of holiness not because it earns God's love but as a response to God's love. The start of the relationship is God first loves us and then as a response to that we seek to live, in a, holy life, live a holy life. 
So that's really important to get that order right and to not get them around the other way. Now, what do we take with us? Well, we've got this luggage of obedience. This is going to help us to be holy. So we're going to talk about that for a little while. But I'm aware that obedience might not have a great rap, <laughs> depending on, you know, what music you listen to and what circles you move in and so on. So I'll give you an example of obedience being not very popular. So I went to school in the 90s, high school in the 90s, and there was a very popular band at the time called Rage Against the Machine. Who's heard a bit of Rage Against the Machine? Anyone? A few people. Okay. Now, if you didn't put your hand up, so you haven't heard of Rage Against the Machine, just based on the band name, what genre of music did they play? Shout it out. Punk, yes, very good. Punk slash metal with a bit of rebellious rap thrown in, right? So Rage Against the Machine, very popular in the 90s, and they sung a song, they released a song which they didn't expect to be popular but was uh, called Killing in the Name Of. And it was a response to a political situation that was going on um, in America at the time. The Los Angeles riots had happened a little, not long before, and there was a lot of distrust of authority figures in America. Particularly there was accusations of corruption and racism in the police force and the justice system. And so Rage Against the Machine wrote this song as a response to the corruption that they saw in the system uh, and, and as sort of a rejection of the authorities. And so early in the song, they sort of sing this line over and over and over again, which is, um, you've got to do what they tell you over and over again, you've got to do what they tell you. And the way it's sung, it's like really resentful, like just can't believe we have to do what they tell us. You know, it's like, this is really annoying. And the song builds and builds and builds. And depending on how you, if you had the edited radio censored version or the uncensored version, for the uncensored version, um, I'm gonna replace one of the words with the word pineapple, okay? So you'll sort of understand where it's going. So to, as the song builds and gets more and more intense and aggressive, uh, the, the line that gets repeated over and over and over again is, pineapple you, I won't do what you tell me. And they just go over and over again, I won't do what you tell me, I won't do what you tell me. Uh, and that's the, that's the climax of the song. That's like, yeah, we, we stopped doing what we were being told and we, and we stuck it to the man. And Teenage Kirk quite enjoyed headbanging along to that song <laughs> as it was sung at school, you know, shaking your fist at the man and like, yeah, we're not going to get pushed around. Okay, so you can see how obedience, or more correctly, disobedience can be seen as cool or something that we should be doing. And actually, if you look at pop music, we could pick a bunch of pop music, it doesn't have to be punk. Uh, but there's a bunch of pop music that's kind of rebellious. It's kind of saying, no, I'm not going to do what you told me to do. I'm going to be disobedient, not obedient. So, disobedience can be good, actually. I think Rage Against the Machine was perfectly correct to stand up against corruption. That is something I would say, do that, support that, no problem. Standing up against corruption is a great thing to do. The thing is, when we do that though, and there's popular songs about it, and it feels cool to do it, and it feels great to do it, sometimes we can then make a connection that says, all obedience is then bad. And doing what we're told, 
by God or by somebody else is always bad. And I would like to suggest to you that there's lots of things in life where obedience actually makes life a lot better. So for example, many of you are learning to drive at the moment. Some of you uh, have already got your license. Many of you have been driving for a long time. So imagine you're going for a drive one day and you're heading through a tunnel in the city and suddenly two cars enter the tunnel and start driving like this. All right, so you're drive if you're driving in that tunnel, I bet you'll, you'll be thinking, geez, a bit of obedience to the road rules would go well right about now. Like, isn't that the case? Like, I know a lot of accidents are caused by people not obeying the road rules, and that if everyone did, most of the accidents would disappear. So obedience to road rules makes everyone's life better. By the way, I love the guy, that's, that's from Ronan, right? That's the longest car, I think it's the longest car chase ever in a movie. Like, that's well into it, like it's been going on for a number of minutes, and only then does the guy decide to put his seatbelt on. He's <laughs> been like, driving pretty crazy up until that point. Anyway, um, obedience can be useful when it comes to traffic. What about, say you've got a health situation, uh, maybe you're you know, intolerant to some sort of food, you, know, you can't eat gluten or fructose or dairy or something like that, and so the person with a bit of authority, you know, the dietitian or the specialist, whatever, says, okay, here's what you can eat, here's what you can't eat. There's the rules. Now, if you follow those rules, you're going to be healthy. It's going to be good. And if you break the rules, you're going to get sick, right? So being obedient to that sort of rule makes sense. What about if you're playing team sport? The coach has a few rules that uh, the coach wants the, the team to follow. Uh, you know, some team values and standards and so on. And you know that if everyone does that and they really follow the coach's instructions, you're most likely going to play a lot better as a team, you're going to have be more successful, people are going to get along better. So generally obedience to the coach is a good, good thing. Now we could probably find exceptions to those, you know, occasionally you might get some bad advice or a bad coach or whatever, the Essendon coach getting people to, you know, take injections and so on, not good advice, don't do what the coach says then. But, um, allegedly. So. <laughs> uh, you know, so I'm not saying it's an absolute rule, but can you see that obedience can be good? And that actually it can just, obedience in general life can be good for us. Well, then we come to God's commands, God's rules. There's the famous Ten Commandments. There's a bunch of others as well, not quite so famous. Can they be good to follow? Could it be good to obey those rules? Well, yes, Absolutely. That's what they're there for. They're not there to make our life difficult. They're not there to take away our fun. They're there to help us on this journey of our journey in our relationship with Jesus. Now, Jesus got asked about the commands in the Bible once and got asked to list them in priority, like what's the most important one and so on. And he didn't, he didn't give the person a list, but he summarized the two commandments, all the commandments under two. So it's love God and love other people. Um, love God, uh, we've, got, we've got the actual quote there, Scotty, if you want to chuck it up. Um, but you're, we're loving the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and your mind and all your strength. And then we're loving our neighbor as ourselves, neighbors being the, the people around us. And so Jesus said, well, do you know what? All the commandments can be summarized by these two. They all fit. We could put, the, put those as two headings and all the other commandments would fit under there. They're going to help you either love God or love people or both at the same time. 
And so we see that the basis of the commandments in the Bible and the reason they're worth following and the reason they're worth prioritizing even over the, the laws of the government and so on is that uh, they ultimately are about love. Not romantic love, but sort of you know, that deep love that we can have for, for anyone. And the idea is that it's gonna, being obedient to God is going to bring more love into your relationships in life. You're going to experience more love because of being obedient to God, because of seeking holiness. It's going to help you to do that. And Peter picks up this in verse 22. You know, he says, Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. So obedience to God is not about putting restrictions on our fun and that sort of stuff. It's about putting some boundaries and some guidelines and some rules in life so that we can experience deep love in a way that we wouldn't be able to if we weren't obedient to God and his word. You know, I, I've got two kids. Uh, Renee and I have two kids. So we've got Jasmine six and Kira's three. And when we do school drop-off, there's often a bit of joking about kids being disobedient, you know, and how difficult it is to get the kids to obey and that sort of stuff. And yes, they can be disobedient, and certainly if they're in a certain mood, it can be difficult. Um, but overall, my observation is that children are very obedient to their parents, very obedient, and to adults generally, actually, like to teachers and so on as well. Um, and so I was thinking, well, why are that? Why are kids obedient to their parents and so, so obedient and so on? Like, I can get Jasmine and Kira to do stuff just by counting backwards from 10. And I say, I need you to do this. No, I don't want to do that. 10, 9, 8, okay. And they go and do it, right? So they're very obedient. So why? Why, do, why are kids like that? Well, uh, it's probably because it's good for them. You know, if you've got loving parents who are doing their best, being obedient to them is going to work out pretty well. You're going to be fed, you're going to be sheltered, you're going to be encouraged, you're going to be educated, you're going to be loved, all these sort of things. So being obedient actually works very well for children. Now, let's think about... Uh, that doesn't mean they never disobey. <laughs> they do, but it's overall very good for them. Now, let's think about God. God often described as a loving father um, who is far more competent than any parents in the world uh, and knowing what's best for us. And so being obedient to him is going to bring us good things. It's going to be good for us. It's going to be good for our life. Certainly I can say that um, I, I absolutely have found that to be the case in my own life. Uh, seeking to be obedient to God, it's not always easy. Sometimes you have to go against the flow. Sometimes you have to behave differently to the way people are behaving around you. But overall, I found it great. And it definitely has led uh, in, in good directions, even though it has been challenging at times. So, obedience leads us into holiness, which helps us to live in good relationship with God and good relationship with other people. Just another reminder, though, as I finish, we, are, we seek to be holy and we seek to be obedient as a response to God's love, not to earn it. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your grace. Thank you that you do love us even though we don't deserve it.
please help us to be holy, to work out what that means, to understand it more deeply and to live it out. Help us to love you, Lord, and help us to love each other. And Father, I just pray for those who are right at the beginning of their journey with Jesus. Perhaps they haven't started yet. Perhaps they're just first couple of steps. Please could you use the rest of our service tonight to help them to see what's the next step for them in growing in their relationship with you. Amen. Thanks for joining us. If you've got any questions about this podcast, connect with us on our website, stjohnsdc.org.au or at facebook.com slash stjohnsdc. Don't forget, you can join us live in Diamond Creek every Sunday at 9.30am and 6pm.